Welcome to Tantra Talks, where we make fintech sexy. On each episode, topics will range from news and updates about fintech, Bitcoin, and other cryptocurrencies, to algorithmic trading, mining, consumer adoption, and on occasion, we will get cosmic and explore how Bitcoin is ushering in an entirely new financial paradigm. This podcast is brought to you by Tantra Labs and hosted by Tantra CTO Russell LaCour and Creative Director Brecky Von Bitcoin. Please note, all opinions expressed by Brecky, Russell, or their guests on this podcast are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Tantra Labs, Inc. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Brecky, Russell, or their guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of their opinions. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. Do you want to earn interest on your Bitcoin? Tantra Labs has the highest performing return on debt in Bitcoin. To find out more about how we have delivered the highest return in the market, Feel free to reach out to us via Twitter, Medium, or the contact link available in the show notes. Now back to the show. Hey there, folks. Brecky Von Bitcoin here, a highly congested Brecky Von Bitcoin, that is. Here to introduce an episode with my very good friend, Matt Kay from Blockhead Capital. Matt is one of my oldest friends in the cryptoverse, and we wanted to do something special for this episode. Um, we also had Tantra CEO and co-founder Ped Hasid join us, so rather than do a dive into Matt's hedge fund, uh, we decided to do a little retrospective and reminisce about what it was like during the previous bull run. The idea here is that for those of you who are new, there is a lot that you can learn from looking backwards and a lot of mistakes and pitfalls you can avoid if you do. There's a lot more to this episode than that. We had a great game of Bitcoin or shitcoin at the end, one of my favorites, I think. But as you can probably hear, I feel sick as a dog and I need to go get ready for my organic, free-range, vegan bone broth enema. I'm kidding about the vegan and enema part, but I am going to go chug some bone broth and get some rest. Oh man, hope you all are feeling better than I am and that you're ready because it's time for Tantra Talks. Good. Welcome, folks. We are here in the studio for a very special episode of Tantra Talks. We don't have uh, our lovely co-host Russell with us. He's over in India meditating on the meaning of Bitcoin. But the people we do have in this office right now are some wonderful folks. We have Ped Hasid, our amazing CEO and co-founder, and then our special guest today, Matt Kay of Blockhead Capital, who is one of my oldest friends in this crazy, crazy place we call crypto. Um, Matt, I've known him for far too long. I think you, were you the one who brought me into the Telegram group originally? I think that's where it all started. I think that's where it all started. So we've, we've known <laughs> in, infamous in, Telegram group. in crypto years, it's, it's been like a century or two, basically. Yeah, it's, so. it's been a bull, a bear, and a bull. <laughs> <laughs> oh, crypto, Bitcoin. All right, folks. Uh, Matt, 
for the folks who don't know you at home, I was hoping you could talk a little bit about how you got into Bitcoin and crypto and you know blah blah sure. blah the standard, and then uh, talk about Blockhead Capital, the investment thesis you you all have, yeah. and uh, maybe trash your partner Justin who couldn't be here. Um, Says it all. I won't say anything else. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Then we'll go from there. Uh, great. I mean, get the obligations out of the way. Thank you for having me on. Um, oh, don't worry. We have a great disclaimer, by the way, that uh, we'll we'll add in. So uh, say perfect. whatever you want. Uh, so I'll keep the background story short because. When I listen to podcasts, I love when it just gets into the meat of it. Um, but came across the Ethereum white paper sometime end of 2016. Um, was working in international e-commerce and subscription and dealt with a lot of remittance problems and smart contracts. Fill in the rest, like the transformative properties of all these trustless infrastructure. And I was immediately fell down the rabbit hole. Um, from Ethereum, stumbled my way into early and mid-2017 shitcoinery. Uh, in which you could just wake up to a you know, Matt. Can you define the term shitcoinery? Shitcoinery is is essentially um, non fundamental crypto assets or altcoins, which biggest predictor of of price action is its price action. So people trade <laughs> it because it goes up or down, uh, and for very little, very few other reasons. So I remember my first really big trade was um, a token called AntShares was rebranding to something called Neo. And it went up, I don't remember, like seventy five percent. It was the Chinese Ethereum. It was Chinese Ethereum in like forty eight hours, and and that's how I found my way into uh, crypto trading. Uh, so twenty seventeen was one hell of a ride. And um, Justin and myself actually were doing this independently. We had not met, and were approached by a circle of independent family and friends who kind of heard about all this exciting stuff, and they had approached us and asked if we would um, manage any capital for them. We said no. We're not going to jail. This is insane. Like, <laughs> but you should get in. Uh, um, I think it was October or November of 2017. Things, I mean, are going vertically, and I just remember looking at Bitcoin's chart and being like, "Oh, it has to stop. It has to stop. It has to stop. It has to stop." And it just kept going. Um, and we decided that yes, we were in fact going to pursue a, a fund and manage its capital, and that we were not going to do it right then and there. Mm -hmm. So, sure enough, the the bubble burst and we put our heads down and we're first time capital managers. So there was a ton of homework to do, a lot of mentorship, a lot of questions, a lot of service providers. And it wasn't until June of 2018 that we were comfortable taking in outside capital. Um, and we've been managing it since. Our, our early thesis was that Web3 was going to replace Web 2.0 um, in its entirety. And this idea of a trustless internet infrastructure was a phenomenal way to invest on the upside of this transformative technology. Um, through the 2018 bear, we, that was really pushed to its limits and we were forced to be nimble and, and change our thesis, which in the grander scheme of, of capital management is sort of a big no, no, but I think in the world of crypto, it's very important, uh, you know, what do they, what do they say? Hold conviction loosely, mm -hmm. something, something like that. And it was clear to us that there was actually, uh, an asset in the class that was very, very, very fundamental. And that was that was Bitcoin. So over the course of the year, we slowly started to rebalance and go heavier and heavier into Bitcoin and, and really started to focus more so on the macro landscape um, globally that gave Bitcoin its narrative as a potential store value, medium of exchange, um, safe haven asset, et cetera. Uh, so that brings us to 2019, where we're act we actively trade now. We still touch um, you know, some of the altcoins, but primarily Bitcoin. Uh, we work with Tantra Labs. All right. Disclaimer, disclaimer. You are an investor in Tantra Labs. We are a, 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 a lender. A lender. A lender to a, a debt vehicle, which uh, trades long short Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. um, and Ped can talk far better to that than I can. I just I just am the 
the fellow who gets to look at the chart and say, ah, good job, guys. Good job, <laughs> good job this month. Well, um, well I want to say, I think you guys, uh, you did something that a lot of funds and companies in crypto don't do, which is kind of, which is pivot in the right direction, you know, like the, the ability to be nimble and to sort of reevaluate what you think is important. Like, I think the successful companies do that, but the ones that, you know, we don't hear about anymore, that's kind of where they failed. So kudos. Yeah, there's a few ways to look at this market, right? You can, you can play the game that's being played today or try to play the game that's being played tomorrow. Um, and I think it requires a bit of both. I mean, right now, for anyone who tracks the market, like these past couple of months, all coins have been going insane again. And I've been a very outspoken advocate that uh, whether or not we have another quote unquote alt season, like we saw in 2017, we'll never see it like that again. But sure, people are going to... Uh, I don't know. I was on Twitter five minutes ago and <laughs> they were yelling and screaming about all seasons. So. Well, here's the thing. And here's another time where I changed my changed my opinion. Um, it's only obvious that people are going to try to chase yield and smaller coin is the more you can influence its price and the higher your return will be. So we know people are going to try to rotate out of Bitcoin into altcoins. Um, but without ICO mania, where's the real fever going to mm -hmm. come from? And then FTX came around, which for anyone who doesn't know, it's... Um, an exchange that does spot and futures and derivatives, all that good stuff. Um, but they have a bunch of altcoin contracts. So you can 100x or 50x punt and link uh, or or Cardano um, or Matic. Um, I just want to reiterate, uh, none of this, absolutely none of this is investment advice. None of this is, this is actually like <laughs> an investment warning. Like stay away from these sorts of things unless you know, yeah, stay away from these sorts of things. But um, this idea of having leverage long short exposure to altcoins is the new fuel on the fire that mm. I think is going to really drive alts and people are going to chase yield that way. Uh, so I think now I'm starting to, to build this idea that the alt season, at least for a selection of alts, maybe just those on FTX, uh, might be bigger, at least in dollar terms, um, than what we saw in 2017. Mm. Kind of a new fuel to add to the fire. That's interesting. Um, all right. So before we move on, I kind of want to get on a more anecdotal level, like what it was like back in 2017, 2018. Uh, you know, some of our listeners are maybe new to Bitcoin and crypto and they've heard about the ICO madness and watch Squawk Box and all that fun stuff. But, uh, you know, what, what was it like for you waking up on a, on a Tuesday and, uh, you know, opening up your whatever app you use to check to check things? And, you know, let's kind of get into some, I don't know, good stories, horror stories. Pet, I know you probably have some also. So uh, let's, yeah. let's share a little bit. You want to start that? Yeah, I have a really great story. It was uh, 2017, um, end of the year, and we were all going to a Bitcoin meetup. This is when Bitcoin uh, was just going parabolic and pretty much everyone was like, it has to stop now. Like it just keep, can't, can't keep going. For those who uh, don't know what parabolic means, do me a favor, uh, look up at the ceiling. That's where Bitcoin went, right into the sky. All right. Yeah, so we were all uh, at the office and there was a Bitcoin meetup that night in Marina del Rey. And uh, back then, everyone and their mother was texting you, hey, like, what's going on? Should I buy in? Should I not buy in? Uh, friends of mine from high school that I haven't heard from in years were text messaging me <laughs> left and right saying, um, I should, should I buy Ethereum? Should I buy Bitcoin? And, and back then, it was really hard giving advice because no one knew what the top was going to be. So... Uh, kind of just muted my phone that day and decided to go to a meetup uh, with uh, back then my fiance. And so we're in the elevator in Marina del Rey going up to this huge co-working space. And in the elevator, people were just like so pumped. And then all you would hear was like, hey, do you know what the price is now? And then like all of a sudden everyone's like, 
12,000. And then like, it just kept going and going and going. And it was this euphoria that I've never seen before and zero point in my life that this, this kind of happened. So um, it all kind of like ended, uh, you know, as we all came and saw. So what is this now uh, going to lead into? So uh, is this going to happen again is what everyone is, is kind of like uh, pondering. In my opinion, um, it's cyclical. So it it is going to happen again. Are we going to see ICOs fuel the, this this rise? Uh, probably not, just because of regulatory enforcement. Um, but as Matt alluded to, uh, venues like FTX, uh, some some others that are coming up uh, and around the corner, could fuel this next uh, pump. Now, is it due to purely fundamentals of projects. We don't really know. Some projects out there are trying to do some really innovative things. Um, others are are acting like they're going to be doing some innovative things. So uh, it's just time will tell. Uh, but uh, going back to that euphoria, just thinking about it makes my blood kind of rush. Um, and I think uh, we're going to see that again, um, whether it's pre-happening, post-happening in 2021. Uh, no one can really know. Uh, but uh, just getting prepared for it is definitely something that we're actively doing on a day-to-day basis. Kind of wish there was a, maybe there is a way to do this to like watch the charts in real time from back then. Like uh, you could probably YouTube it, right? Because like it'd be a good way for people to like um, train not to FOMO into something. Like watch the charts, force yeah. themselves to watch the charts as as Bitcoin's going parabolic, and, the, then, and don't hit the buy button. The psychology of trading is difficult because. When it goes parabolic, sometimes what it, what it takes is that blind faith that it's going to keep going up. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you never get into the top. Um, but I think you touched on everything, like all the emotions of that 2017 run and everything that went on. And it's a really weird place right now because, I mean, I'm quite literally, quite literally betting on this, right? So I guess I can say my money is where my mouth is. Like, we're on the eve of that. There's no doubt in my mind we're on the eve of... of crypto or Bitcoin's next parabolic advance. And it's been a long road, right? It's been a solid two years of of washing out, like nobody's talking about it anymore. Everyone knows about it now. Um, well, we've, we've gone from being like the butt of family gatherings to like uh, we, smart ones now. Well, we went from the number one app in the app store to, you know, Bitcoin died. You know, the joke's <laughs> like, they count how many times it's died. It's yeah. died hundreds of times since it was the number one app in the app store. It was actually a great website. I don't know if you know, I think it's bitcoinobituaries.com. It's wonderful. Uh, that's, I think I've seen it where the headlines. It shows of, all the headlines. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, but I'm quite confident that we're on the eve of it. And there's a ton of fundamental reasons. There's a ton of macro reasons. There's a ton of cyclical market, market reasons, as you pointed to. And, and I'm actually going to shill this book that I've read and that I think everyone should read. And it's called The Devil Takes the Hindmost, uh, A History of Financial Speculation. And uh, it's look written. at this guy. He's, shill- he's, he's shilling on my podcast. Yeah. Well, I didn't write this book. All right. Um, Edler Chancellor wrote this, and it's considered like the most complete book on speculative bubbles. And it goes back to 14th century speculation all the way through through every bubble, uh, firsthand accounts and quotes of what was going on, what the sentiment was, what the emotion was, how it started, how it ended, how it was regulated, um, what censorship took place, and if you don't read this, right, you're just doing yourself a disservice because it's probably like, in my opinion, the Bible of speculation. So Matt, you're, you're telling me that nothing changes and that human emotions are the same every single time. Correct. And, uh... and now that's where Bitcoin gets really interesting because Bitcoin is proving itself to be cyclical. 
So Bitcoin is actually starting to carve itself out similar to how like the railroad speculation went. People started speculating like crazy mm -hmm. on railroads, but it wasn't a tulip mania. It wasn't a tulip bubble because uh, railroads disrupted travel and mm -hmm. disrupted communication. Right. And and there's actually a really cool quote. I, uh, I was looking for some quotes to share with you. I don't I didn't mark this one, but it was saying that this changed the way we experience time. Travel went from weeks to days or hours. Mm -hmm. And that was transformative. So when you look at speculation or bubbles, et cetera, like there's arguments that it's healthy. But in the terms of Bitcoin, the fact that it continues to cycle tells us that this isn't just raw speculation. This is actually the emergence of a new asset class. And we have no idea how to value it. We have no idea what its implications are. You non-sovereign digital currency with no central authority. Like what, how do we start to think about that? We've thought about gold for thousands and thousands of years. We've thought about fiat currencies for a tiny fraction of that. Well, now we have this digital gold, right? Mm -hmm. How do we think about that? And what's that worth? Sure, it might run and die and run and die, et cetera, but it's not just going to pop and disappear forever. So th that's what I, that's what really has made me fascinated about Bitcoin recently is that we're on the eve of the next massive speculative run up of Bitcoin's value um, and where it goes, we'll see. All right. So, so what's this quote? You got me, uh, you got me curious now. Uh, well, no, I, I didn't mark that quote, but I did mark you a different quote. So in, in uh, the late 19th century. And, and who said this? This is. I have to give you some background. This is Lord Overstone, who's a very prominent banker. Can you do a British accent? I know I can't. I'm terrible <laughs> at accents. You're great at them. I'll let you read it. You want me to read it with a British accent? Yeah, you can read it. All right, but we can do that. It's right here. But first, I have to give you some background. All right, you give me the background. And that is, uh, economies were doing really well, and people were chasing yields, so people started uh, investing in um, in foreign economies. And then the Napoleonic Wars come, and the whole thing explodes. And in trying to explain what the hell just happened in these foreign markets, we get this quote. Got it. All right. I'm going to do my best at a uh, really posh British accent. Oh, wow. This quote is cool. All right, folks, when you're listening to this, I want you to tell me if it sounds familiar whatsoever to what uh, what goes on in, in the crypto sphere. <clears throat> pip, pip, cheerio. First, we find it in a state of quiescence. Next, improvement. Then growing confidence, prosperity, excitement, overtrading, convulsions, pressure, stagnation, distress, ending again in quiescence. I have no idea what quiescence means. Quasi-science. Uh, Quasi-quiescence? Quiescent? I don't know if you're right about that. I think it's quasi-science. It it's, doesn't matter. It <laughs> doesn't matter. I think quasi-science. But you get the point, folks. Basically, uh, human nature doesn't change unless you, unless you make an effort to learn from it. So... All right, we've kind of gone through what it felt like back in the day, 100 years ago in crypto time. But uh, so what can we learn looking forward? What can we try to tell people that they should be doing or thinking as we move into this, this next parabolic move? Well, I think it's important for people to not make the mistakes of the past, right? So everyone is trying to find the right time to buy in, waiting for the dip. Like waiting for the dip in my eyes and a lot of people's eyes is the wrong mentality, especially when you're thinking about Bitcoin. Uh, as we all kind of preach in the office and in the crypto sphere as a whole, you know, dollar cost averaging is super important because you never know when the bull is going to strike. Uh, it could be tomorrow. It could be next week. Uh, you know, at any moment, uh, you know, this market can really, really pick up. So uh, for those that are new to Bitcoin or new to crypto as a whole, just start dollar cost averaging into your position. And it uh, doesn't matter if it's $5 a day, $10 a day, $100 a day. And don't have unit bias. You don't have to have a whole Bitcoin. You don't have to have a whole Ethereum. 
Uh, you can just put aside a little bit of your paycheck uh, once a week, once a month, and get into that position. And another point to to look at is uh, in 2017, there weren't that many on-ramps for people to buy into crypto. Uh, as we all saw back then, markets were being overwhelmed, exchanges were, were overloaded, and some, some argue that maybe that kind of prevented Bitcoin from even reaching higher highs. But this time around, there's so many avenues to get into Bitcoin, so many exchanges, so many wallets that are supporting different on-ramps. So uh, a lot of people uh, are going to see higher highs, uh, at least that's what I think. And uh, it's due to the on-ramps and due to the derivatives that are out there. So uh, for all those out there that are looking to build a position, uh, it's never too late. And you should start right away and not wait for the dip. And do your own research. Absolutely. And uh, so what, what about this? Like hypothetically, like when the things start picking up again, like average Joe is going to probably get a Coinbase account and log in. And they're going to see like back in 2017, like the only things in Coinbase were Litecoin, Ethereum, Bitcoin, and then Bitcoin Cash. So like, but now what you log in and there's what, 20, 30 assets, something like that. Mm -hmm. So like, what does that mean to the average person? Like, like, should you be looking at something just because it's a, you know, cost two cents for, for one coin or? It depends how you think. Are you buying something for a fundamental reason or are you buying something because you think other speculators are going to drive its price up, mm -hmm. right? And that's kind of the shit coinery that we referred to uh, previously. There are people who, there are people who are just trading and they think that, right, that the Coinbase premium, the, uh, the fact that your average Joe might come in and buy something for two cents because it's cheaper than something for, you know, $9,500 is a real thing. Mm -hmm. Therefore, they want to hold that thing at two cents. And when mm -hmm. it goes to four cents, they'll sell it, right? So as long as you understand that that's the game. So the warnings here are, and the lessons from the past are this, do your own research, meaning if something doesn't make sense, don't buy it because you're going to fool yourself into thinking that whatever they're doing is going to change the world in the next six months. Buy it because you think other people are going to be fooled too, right? If it, let's not, let's not put uh, lipstick on the pig and call it something else. <laughs> um, the other thing is don't panic. Like, I think that's probably the biggest piece of advice you can give anybody. Uh, the market's extremely emotional, extremely momentum based. And the best thing you can do is pull up a Bitcoin chart and just scroll back for years and years and years and look at what a 5% candle looks like. Look what a 30% drawdown looks like. Look what an 80% bear market looks like um, and understand what is and isn't normal so that, you know, you don't you don't buy something and then you watch the dollar value go down the next day and you panic and you sell and then it goes up twice as much and then you buy it again. It's like I, I tweeted about this. It's like how to trade Bitcoin 101, wait for the range low to break by $10, sell, wait for it to rally in disbelief the new high, buy, repeat. Mm -hmm. And it's just like this idea of, you know, sell low, buy high. Um, and it's just so emotional and so it just plays on you at such a fundamental level that if you're emotional, it's just going to get you every time. So you don't panic, learn how the market works. And yeah, I think that's about it. Also, one thing I kind of want to mention is that if you aren't already a trader, if you haven't been trading for 10 years, don't jump in and immediately think that, you know, you can learn to trade because you saw Joe Schmo Schmuck on, uh, on YouTube or Twitter making calls and, you know, telling you, you know, what, what the next big thing is going to be, you know, learn how to trade before becoming an expert trader. And now a word from our sponsors. As a crypto trading prodigy with no experience in traditional markets whatsoever, you probably feel like you're invincible, but deep down inside, you know, you're not. That's why Arthur's Trade Insurance offers bad trade forgiveness. It starts the day you sign up. 
With bad trade forgiveness from Arthur's, your rates won't go up just because of one bad trade. Even though you shouldn't have gone 100x leverage at 3 in the morning after drinking your third sugar-free Red Bull of the night. To take advantage of Arthur's trade insurance, jump up and down while rubbing your belly and say these words. I am a degenerate gambler. Let's uh, maybe now we start to talk about BitMEX and get into like some basic trading stuff. I thought I think they'd be really useful to some of our listeners. I kind of want to get into the pros and cons of using leverage on places like BitMEX or wherever you use it, you go trading, um, you know, what the dangers are and, you know, what the pros and cons are. Because, you know, here at Tantra, we like we actually use leverage, but we use it for in order to simulate uh, to simulate more Bitcoin uh, on the exchange, that way we, you know, limit our counterparty risk. So, like, there are really good reasons to use leverage, and there are really bad reasons to use leverage. So, Matt, what? Uh, what... Yeah, there's a, there's just reasons, right? Good and bad is is open to interpretation and how successful you are with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if you're new to trading and you have never heard of what Bitmex is, like, don't go to Bitmex and don't start trading there. You're gonna <laughs> like there. It's it's a big bully and it's gonna punk you and you're gonna lose your money. Uh, you might get lucky once or twice. It's like you go to Vegas and you hit a slot machine, you win 50 bucks. Now you think you're lucky and then all of a sudden you lost 500 bucks. Um, so leverage is this idea that essentially you can borrow um, capital and like an effort to to increase your exposure to the market. So uh, what BitMEX offers is up to 100 times leverage. So let's say you have um, one Bitcoin on the exchange. You can trade as if you had 100 Bitcoins. But if the price goes down, one percent or it moves against you at one percent of that leverage they take your full bitcoin from you yeah and then the math's pretty simple like 50x leverage and it moves two percent against you they take it 25x leverage and it moves four percent against you they take it um so it's a big bet why you might want to use that is you have a strong or high conviction on what the price of Bitcoin or there's other that does Litecoin. It does Bitcoin Cash. I think it has Tron, EOS. They have a few contracts. Mm-hmm. Um, and now on, on FTX, you can use leverage on certain alts as well, no? Yeah. So um, FTX gives you some of the mid cap alts mm-hmm. and uh, BitMEX is pretty much just the large caps. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason being, I think, is that large caps are less scary, meaning they're less prone to manipulation. So if you want to lever yourself to a large cap, you're probably a little bit safer. You won't get liquidated. And liquidated means when they take your collateral because it moved against you. FTX is saying, all right, like you want to get in the water with the sharks, go for it. You have up to 100x leverage, but somebody with maybe $15 million might wreck you and liquidate you um, by trying to manipulate that market. Um, So what leverage allows you to do is make more than you would have without borrowing. So let's say I have right that one Bitcoin and I think Bitcoin's about to go up $1,000. I can 5X my position. And now when I collect my profits at the end of the trade, I made you know a, a multiple on my profits that I wouldn't have been able to otherwise. However, when price moves against you, you lose more than you would have as well. So you're kind of putting your, you know, the, your fork into the light socket and uh, you can win big, you can lose big. It's the wild west and you have to be very smart and like for example if you're new to bitmex and you just start leverage trading you probably aren't thinking about how bitmex figures out what the price of bitcoin is because it's there you're trading contracts these perpetual swap contracts you're not trading bitcoin if that that doesn't make sense take some time to read about perpetual swaps and 
what that means is this perpetual swap market is kind of trying to stay in step with the spot market where people buy and sell just Bitcoin for um, trade Bitcoin. So BitMEX has an index or basket of exchanges it looks at to figure out what is the market value of spot Bitcoin. And then BitMEX might trade at a premium or a discount to that at any given time. So um, in previous years, that index was misweighted and people would wait um, until a low liquidity time, maybe like um, 3 a.m. No, not even maybe like 1 or 2 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Right. So uh, a bunch of markets are asleep and then somebody comes on and what they'll do is they'll take 10 or 12 million dollars of Bitcoin. They'll go to Kraken where liquidity was low <laughs> and they would just market sell the Bitcoin. And then BitMEX is looking at Kraken and saying, okay, Kraken represents one third of the index. And it sees that price go down a lot. And then the price on BitMEX drops. So somebody was shorting it ahead of time, basically. So, well, here's what happens. That happens. Now people stop out, meaning they set automatic uh, exits of their trade. So they don't lose too much money. And as those stops go, you get a cascading of stops. So price goes down, price goes down, price goes down. So what somebody who has a lot of money might do is they might sell 12 million on the spot market. They know the price is going to tank 3%. Then they're going to take 10 million. They're going to 10x long it. And they're going to take a $100 million long in the other direction because the market's going to steady itself out and ride that 100 million 1.5%. And you, Joe Schmo, sitting because you're following all your trading rules that you learn in Forex just got stopped out and then the price reversed on you. And you're like, what the hell? That's where I'm supposed to protect it. It's like, well, not in crypto because... This is a this is a different world. It's more prone um, to wild price swings. People, individual players, have outsized influence on the market still. Um, so you really have to really, really, really have to be careful. And uh, Bitmex actually has ability to do paper trading. Mm. There's like a, a different website you can go to, and it lets you trade fake Bitcoin. And that's a really good place to practice. See, folks, it's easy to make tons of money in crypto. Yeah, not what, at all. What happens is you get a bunch of very, very smart people building algorithms and machines like at Tantra who mathematically figure out how you're likely to behave and then figure out how to best take your Bitcoin from you. So (laughs) you have a really big opponent in the room uh, and you have to make sure that you're careful. I wouldn't have phrased it like that, but but yes, more or less. It's the truth. (laughs) (laughs) Alrighty. We've touched on some really cool stuff. I'm thinking I do want us to play Bitcoin or shitcoin. I don't think we're quite there. Why don't we? Do you want to talk a little bit more about some shitcoinery and FTX, or uh, are you sick of that already? No, we could talk about it because I think it's really a really interesting topic right now. Have you looked um, at the presidential markets on there? I have. That is let's let's just side pocket that <laughs> conversation for right now because I think it's kind of crazy that they're listing those. Um, but I do think it's really interesting. I also don't know if people are trading them. Mm. Um, but let's keep politics out of there for the time being. <laughs> um, so the alt market's phenomenal because a lot of people in crypto are just chasing more Bitcoin. Um, and I think that's kind of the thesis of Tantra, generate more Bitcoin. Um, Bitcoin bulls are fundamentally long Bitcoin because they think central banking and poor policy is going to drive people out of fiat money. And they think Bitcoin's a great thing for them to be driven into. Here, uh, here. <laughs> harumph, harumph. <laughs> and... What's great about, or quote unquote, great about altcoins is that because they have more, they swing more wildly, you can get more Bitcoin pretty easy, more easily from them. Um, so people like to trade altcoins to get more Bitcoin. And like I mentioned earlier, I thought that game was over. 
but it's back and it's back with leverage and it's really and uh hassan from arca who's also here in in, in california or mm -hmm. southern california he's he's the one who always reminds me it's a game of musical chairs it's a game of musical chairs and it's how well can you pick up on the small little hints that the music's about to stop and the music's about to start and all people are doing are trading from one to the other one to the other and they're cycling capital and gains from one alt to another alt to another alt to another alt then people start seeing these alts and then the psychology comes in now a lot of new money starts coming into alts then new retail comes in oh alts are better this is a better bitcoin this is a better ethereum like they start because of their inexperience or lack of information, start thinking that these things have like a fundamental value. But didn't you see the white paper, man? Exactly, and it drives up, and then all the guys playing musical chairs are like, ah, oh, beautiful, now there's enough people wanting to buy this that I can sell the millions of dollars worth that I've accumulated. Because if I had done that previously, I would have destroyed this shit coin with this shit market. Um, but now that people are coming in, and that, you know, people, it's called getting dumped on. It's when somebody, uh, plays a game of musical chairs, you didn't know the music stops, and then you lose, and you're now, quote unquote, a bag holder, right? Um, so it's a game of musical chairs. It's it's a game that requires experience and finesse, I think, but it's very real, right? And if your only goal is to get more Bitcoin or just have you know more money, um, it might be a game worth paying attention to. If you want to sleep well at night, cost average into Bitcoin, read about what's happening with central banks globally, read about how institutions are thinking about Bitcoin, uh, read about how macro fund investors, read Ray Dalio's work on paradigm shifts and his opinions on gold, read about what makes gold valuable, how it's defined, read about the definitions of money. Like there's there's a lot of really great reasons to cost average into Bitcoin. If you wanna lose your mind, you wanna stay up till 2 a.m., you wanna know what time the Asian market opens and what time London closes, start trading, but go slow and don't get sucked in because it's a it's a vicious game. It really is. So I guess I think that's the, is that, was that a positive or negative light I put I thought, on it? I, I think it's just was just real. It was neutral. It was, it was <laughs> neutral, very real. Yeah. I thought it was good. Yeah. Pull back the curtain. You just, you heard it here. Like that is, that is the name of the game there. Anyone who's telling you different lying to you. <laughs> <laughs> Ted, uh, you got anything to, anything to add to that? I don't. I think that was really well encapsulated. Um, I just keep going back to how it was in the early days and pretty much when everything goes up, everyone's a genius. But right now, this market has completely changed. Uh, without doing a lot of research, uh, you're going to end up holding a bag. Uh, and um, ultimately, you know, if you hold that bag, and you don't sell low. When there's a bull market, you can probably get out easily. But uh, again, uh, do your own research. That's what I keep going back to. I've stepped away from trading here at Tantra. We do everything algorithmically and uh, we let the machines do uh, the hard lifting uh, after, you know, doing a tremendous amount of research on strategy development and backtesting and live testing strategies with small amounts of money. You know, we get into these positions in a very, very smart, quantitative way. Um, so um, I'm out of the musical chairs game. It was fun playing it back in 2015, <laughs> 2016, 2017, during the ICO mania. But at this point, it's uh, it's a lot safer. I value my sleep at night, and uh, and I'm here to just further develop the business and do it in a very very systematic way. So uh, also uh, for those that are very interested in trading and they want some good mentorship, uh, there's a lot of great resources on the internet. There are a lot of great Telegram channels. Uh, one of our advisors, Joe McCann, uh, on Twitter, mm -hmm. he's at Linestepper, has a really great Twitter 
um, bot that he's developed that kind of gives out his calls and shorts and long positions. Uh, and Crypt, crypto decks, crypt decks, crypt decks. Hold on, Joe, I'm going to look it up. I'm not gonna we'll, uh, we'll, like we'll put all this stuff in the show notes for all you uh, degenerate gamblers to be. Yeah, for those that are that are looking for some good, some good mentorship, uh, Joe McCann, I, I can recommend him any highly. So have a look over there and see uh, how he is looking at the market and and positioning his trades. And he's trading primarily on FTX and BitMEX. So uh, for those that are looking at those markets, I think monitoring those channels and just watching and paper trading first before getting in with real actual currency uh, is probably the safe way about it. And understanding that like these markets are cyclical like even if you like what a lot of people do is they'll start paper trading and they'll say shit i want to put some real money on the table you know because it's exciting you know and oh i'm gonna make so much money but at the end of the day like i mean there's no guarantees here but like this is not the first bull market of bitcoin and i sure as hell don't think it's gonna be the last so get some experience first and i don't know from what everyone here is saying i I think the real takeaway is that you need to take the emotion out of it. You know, like a Tantra, we take the emotion out of it by using math, you know, but uh, as a human trader, you, that's what you really need to practice. You need to, to get as technical as you can. It's, it's not, look, if you want to pretend it's roulette and throw some money around and actually look at it as gambling, that's one thing, but you know, it's not gambling. Matt's shaking his head. Well, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's not so different, right? You have no idea what the future holds. You don't know what direction it's going to go. The difference is, is statistically the house has the edge like on purpose at a mm-hmm. casino. So in a market, the key is... You want to play poker, not roulette. Yeah, the key is how can you give yourself an edge or a statistical edge? And I think the first thing you have to do is see the big picture. Like you mentioned, and we've repeated a bunch of times, the market's cyclical. So the first question you have to ask yourself is, you know, what regime are we in? Because these regimes last anywhere from months to years, is is the market generally going up or is the market generally going down within the terms of weeks and months? Then you can start to dial yourself in. So, okay, how does this work weekly? How does this work daily? And then I'll, I can speak to Joe. I know Joe loves, you know, and then you can go to the four hour, which I also love. Like every four hours, what does this market do? You can take it one step further. What does the one hour, what's this market like to do? The five minute, which Joe trades very actively, and I was now—I've I've just watched Joe trade the five minute for a couple of years now. I, I was lucky enough to meet him. I think like what year were we in? Like three years ago or something. <laughs> and um, I've watched him, and I'm such a believer in in the in that time frame. But I also understand that you trade that time frame until it intersects with the larger time frame, mm-hmm. right? And then you have to take a step back. Oh, okay, we're here, right? I, I screwed around for a few days until we're now at the four hour turning point. This is what I've been waiting for, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So it's really important to just understand the big picture first and don't try to just like day trade. And part of that big picture, something that uh, nobody knows when they first get into this because most people are not traders first is that every single trade you make is a taxable event. And, you know, I, I don't know, I met a lot of people who like were trading for a long time and screwed themselves and, you know, so, so actually, understand what you're doing. Really quickly, just going back to BitMEX or derivatives, what's really cool is because those aren't Bitcoin, um, you're trading these contracts, you can buy whatever. I'm just going to keep using one Bitcoin, but you don't need one Bitcoin. You can have one Bitcoin and just hold on to that one Bitcoin and then trade these perpetual swaps to get more or less Bitcoin. And because you're actually not trading your underlying Bitcoin and you want to hold that until your capital gains taxes go down here in the US, like that's one strategy. People might decide to use 
a perpetual swap contract so that they don't are they're not constantly buying and selling Bitcoin. They're mm. just buying and selling perpetual swaps. And I'm no tax attorney. We have it. We have people who do that. So if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But like it's uh, it's it's a strategy that you can approach for taxes. Yeah, the verdict is still out about if it's a taxable event or isn't a taxable event. Um, so obviously, you know, look at the guidance. Consult given, your tax advisors. Consult your tax advisors. Mm-hmm. And from what we understand, whenever you're putting money on BitMEX, you're posting the Bitcoin as collateral and you're trading some different instruments. So uh, different jurisdictions have different tax policies. So depending on where in the world you are, do your own research. And if you're a listener in the U.S. and you don't have an entity that is legally allowed to trade on BitMEX, do you're, not do it. you're not allowed to trade on BitMEX. All right. We've talked about BitMEX. We've talked about all this fun stuff. I think it's uh, I think it's time for Bitcoin, Bitcoin or One of our favorite games. Hopefully, it's better than the last time we did it. Uh-oh. I have uh, I've tailored this one specifically to Matt because I know him quite well. <laughs> oh no, no, no! It's fun. It's fun. He has no idea what he's getting into. So, the way Bitcoin or shitcoin works, I will mention something. It could be anything. It could be spaghetti. It could be a battery. Any word, mm-hmm. basically, and you will tell me, and you can explain why why you think so. Whether it fits into the ethos of Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Or the ethos of shitcoin. Okay. And do I explain after or at the end you ask me to explain certain ones? Eh, whatever you feel. It's, okay. a, it's a loose game. Loose game. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we give points. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes there's a winner. Sometimes there's no winner. So, up first, Venice Beach. Shitcoin. It's a shitcoin. It's huh? definitely a shitcoin. Well, what makes you say that? I mean, where's the fundamental value? <laughs> <laughs> Beachfront. That's all if, if you have an Irwan near you, like you're a shitcoin. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. So uh, next then is uh, Santa Monica Beach. I'm going to go with Bitcoin. Oh, yeah? Well, well, why is that? Well run, great infrastructure, stable. Centrally planned, though. Sure. It was centrally created, but now it belongs to you know, the citizens All right, of, of Santa Monica. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up on the list, we have Burning Man. Ooh, that's a toughie. I'm going to, can it be both? You can, can explain why it has characteristics of both. Sure. Yeah, I'm just going to call that like the entire marketplace, right? Like <laughs> there's there's bitcoins flying around there, there's shitcoins flying around there. You could have the time of your life. You could you could leave very confused and disoriented, and you know. Um, so yeah, that's just that's skip. Yeah, skip, skip. <laughs> I'm just picturing Matt on the playa right now. He looks to his right. Oh, it's the Winklevoss twins, and he looks to his left. Oh, it's Brock Pierce. So, so uh, a quick, quick, really short story. There's somebody there last year who there are certain like camps that are very popular. And this guy went around, or woman went around with signs that had like the camp name with an arrow, mm. and was just randomly placing them. So, <laughs> <laughs> so like, I, luckily, I I know the layout of the place. I know where things are, and it's like you got to be able to navigate it if you can't see street signs. But people who just go, oh, and they point, oh, it's this way, and they must have just been riding around for hours. So that's oh. why I called it the marketplace. It's like a DYOR, like yeah. It, yeah so anyway. Oh, that's really funny. One of my favorite, uh, I didn't fall for it, luckily, but I love the j- the joke for newbies where they pass out the flyers that say that there's going to be a, uh, um, uh, what's that concert? Uh, oh, Daft Punk, it's yeah. Trash Fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's they, a classic they, they tell one. All the, they pass out flyers that say there's going to be a Daft Punk concert all the way at the edge of the of the of Burning Man, basically. you got to bike like six miles to get there. And it's at like, you know, one o'clock in the morning, whatever. There's no Daft Punk concert. Yeah, it's just in the middle of nowhere. Nothing. All right, next. Bitcoin or shitcoin, 
Jaguar F-types? Honestly? You know why I'm asking this. Honestly, I used to think it was a shit coin, but it is a Bitcoin, man. It is a, it is a solid Bitcoin. <laughs> I'm going to dox your, uh, your partner. Uh, he drives a, an F-type. So next on the list is... Uh, an Infinity G thirty seven. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with quietly a Bitcoin. Okay, quietly a Bitcoin, <laughs> so, so, unsuspecting, but a Bitcoin. So it's more like a coin joined to Bitcoin. Sure. Yeah. It's it's maybe it's lightning. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got a couple more. We got the keto diet. Oof, mm. that's a toughie. I'm gonna I'm gonna say sorry to to Alex and Mickey and my good friends at Kiss My Keto. Oh, shilling again. Right. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say shitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> kind of reminds me of like the fat protocol thing that was all bullshit right back in the day. Oh was, right right. right the, so. the fat protocol for those who don't know is that the value transacted on these Web three networks like Ethereum would would come down. Accrue to the base layer. Accrue to the base layer. It's not true. No, it's not true. All right, next uh, could be true. Probably won't be true. true. <laughs> Techno music. Just like the genre as a yeah, whole. Yeah, the genre as a whole. Definitely a shitcoin. All right. How about house music? Uh, Too similar? Yeah, I don't know. I Music, it's subjective, you know? Like, I'm not going to just hate right, on people. Music in general. Music in general? Yeah. Bitcoin. There we go. Definite All Bitcoin. All right. Now, finally, last but certainly not least, Blockhead Capital. Well, Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I like to hear. <laughs> I, I'd, love, I'd love to say shitcoin just for the, for the laughs, but, you know, Bitcoin. All right, <laughs> all right, folks. It's been a. Uh, this is probably one of my more my favorite rips I've had here. No, uh, I want to do more. Of those. You want to do more? Yeah, more Bitcoin or shitcoin? Yeah, this is so much fun. Ped, you got anything for him? It's a long day. It's, it's, I know. Can I flip it on you? You can ask me one or two. All right, all right, all right. Um, just give me give me a moment here. Maybe we can we can fill the noise. Yeah. Okay. All right, you got one. <laughs> Bitcoin merch. Ooh, that's tough. That's tough. I'll tell you why. Because on the one hand, like I, I'm like known as the guy who wears Bitcoin merch everywhere. I'm a walking billboard. And I like to think that, you know, it keeps it fresh in people's minds and like, oh, Bitcoin's still alive? Great. So on that side, Bitcoin. But if you've ever read um, Bitstein's famous article, Everyone's a Scammer, basically the idea is that everyone's trying to accumulate Bitcoin however they can. And scammer is kind of a hard word, right? Like it, it's not it's not as bad as, a, as it sounds Opportunist in this article. Opportunist might be the better Yeah, word. you know, like I have a website, I sell Bitcoin t-shirts, not many during the, the bear market, unfortunately, but I'm trying to accumulate Bitcoin. So for those folks who are out there and they're purely trying to make money, I'd say it's pretty shitcoin. But if you're selling shirts and your website is Bitcoin only and you're trying to push the good narratives of Bitcoin, all right, then it's Bitcoin. The US dollar. Oh, it's the ultimate shitcoin, come on. I guess it gets mad as what you compare it to centrally controlled they keep printing as much as the monetary policy that doesn't make any sense uh flying united oh, united i haven't flown united in a while i don't know i'm gonna guess shitcoin okay um uh, let me let me actually no if you use fold and you buy i think united is on fold and you use fold to stack some sats when you get your united ticket then it's bitcoin uh android i don't know that's hard because you know google's centralized but uh you know, some of the good Bitcoin apps like Samurai are on, on only on Android. So it's kind of a mix. All the new Star Wars movies coming out. Oh, that's a shitcoin. Yeah, it's an easy shitcoin. I enjoy them. Yeah, it's like a shitcoin. Sometimes you enjoy, you know, messing around with them. But, uh, you know. <laughs> uh, the the Apple movie app that lets you rent movies for $4. That's a shitcoin. That's such a Bitcoin. Come on. What? It's so reliable. It's like, it's just the value proposition is phenomenal. Disney Plus. Disney Plus. Oh, that's a shit coin. What? What do you mean? You watch Mandalorian? 
Come on. I'm going to respond to that. This is the way, man. This is the way. I am out of homes. <laughs> All right, folks. I think that's that's enough for one day. Uh, thank you for joining us. Tune in soon. Thank you. Yeah. All right. We're done. I got nothing else to say. Bye, everybody. See you on Twitter. Later. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, consider leaving us a positive review, and sharing us with your friends. And if you'd like to earn interest on your Bitcoin, Tantra Labs has the highest performing return on debt in Bitcoin. To find out more about how we have delivered the highest return in the market, feel free to reach out to us via Twitter, Medium, or the contact link available in the show notes. Thanks for listening.